This is episode 234 of the A News Podcast, a digest and or conversations on anarchist activity ideas and comments from the previous week on anarchistnews.org. Topic of the week, spooky, scary anarchist. Trick or treat. While some people roam the streets door to door, merrily busking for candy, anarchists take on the streets to do direct action. For some, direct action means patching potholes. For others, it means littering. Is being an anarchist about being the house that gives the best candy? Or is it about who TPs the house that gives the best candy? Or who makes the best prank? Would you rather be feared or loved? To be remembered fondly or to live in infamy? Why not both? Isn't that what masks are for? Isn't that what festival and carnival are for? An opportunity to be and do what you regularly wouldn't, and then go on with the rest of your ordinary life. Halloween is such a festival. Many people take the opportunity to dress up as they normally wouldn't, be it by putting on a cute, funny, or even sexy outfit, or donning the scary mask of a slasher flick villain or horror movie monster. But this year, Instead of jumping on the bandwagon of whatever is trending, like that year where everyone was the Joker, and surely this year everyone will be wearing a square mask from the Squid Game, why not dress up like an anarchist? Which anarchist would you pick? It's mainstream to have a certain fascination with the macabre, as long as it takes up the form of true crime podcasts and horror fiction. Anarchists can be scary too. By the way, which are your favorite stories about them? or by them. Yet, there's been a Santa classification of certain anarchist figures, like with Kropotkin, going as far as literally calling him Bread Santa. Often, anarchists try their best to put on a cuddly persona when being interviewed by mainstream media. Nevertheless, they're still widely used like boogeyman to scaremonger. Which anarchists still remain intimidating and strike fear in the hearts of rulers and masses? Which are the most terrifying deeds attempted or carried out by them? If you wore their faces as masks, what devilish phrases would you shout as you ride out for a night of mischief? Do you dare invoke them by their name? I wanted to pick up from our previous conversation about, you know, how to, you could say, uh, post the topics that are interesting to us in a way that it's attractive or appealing to others. And I wanted to ask you about the Kaneko uh, Fumiko um, scene and like, you know, the considerations that went into choosing that topic, but also into the cover and the presentation, how much to put in, what to put in. Like, I, I don't want to like put you on the spot, but really to discuss how, you know, uh, these people that are interesting to us are not necessarily immediately interesting to others but at the same time we we do it because we want to like uh like you titled the the scene which is uh her words um yeah so kaneko fumiko for people who are not familiar was a japanese anarchist around the turn of the last century uh she is probably best known for her uh taking part in a plot to attempt to assassinate the emperor of Japan. Uh, there was no attempt. There were some 
preparations made. She and her partner, Pak Yol, were arrested along with some other people and charged with, uh, well, trying to kill the emperor. Um, she and he went to prison. Um, they refused pardons from the emperor. Uh, she was found dead in her cell sometime uh, after her sentencing. Um, she would definitely be someone who would be considered a scary anarchist, especially at the time that she was, uh, doing her thing. Um, and she is probably best known for besides her prison memoirs, uh, which you can actually get from, uh, Detritus, if people are familiar with that, uh, is her prison interrogation, which I translated some of, and they've been translated other places as well, uh, where she is being interrogated by, um, legal officials and giving details about what she did and why she did it. Um, Thus, because I wanted to, the title of the pamphlet. Um, and in in these interrogations, in part, what she's doing is laying out why she hated the emperor, why she hated the, the Japanese society and how it was structured. Um, and these are things that uh, I think, again, were put very forcefully, uh, thus the title. And uh, what I think is perhaps relevant to very relevant to this discussion is the fact that Fumiko was probably not a part of the plot uh what little plot there was to actually try to kill the emperor uh that uh people who are more familiar with her than I am who I was drawing on um don't think that she actually was privy to Pak Yol, her partner, attempting to get bombs from a friend, maybe at some point in the past that he had done this or had these conversations apart from her and had not told her and that she was actually um, testifying to her guilt in this act in order to go to prison with him. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I mean, it, th their life stories are different but there's a lot of parallels between her story and uh sugako kano and i get impacted by their words i mean you, you could use the word scary but it's not so much it's just that it's uncommon to find that mix of you could say maybe not pessimism but sure there's some of that but also how bluntly they put it and how uh straightforward they're 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 saying uh they the acts that they they had in mind but let me think of how to phrase what I'm, what i've been reading or what i what i think i don't know it's just that they're kind of contemporary i mean uh fumiko died at in 1925 and it's kind of like recent but at the same time a long time ago but there's a lot of other authors that are from way way before and people seem to have a preference and i don't know maybe you could You could tell me why that is. Obviously, the these uh, they went through a lot of suffering in their childhood, and and they died young. Uh, Bruno Filippi as well, and Novatore as well. And I don't know if that's a viewpoint that some people can relate to, or or if it's their words or or their their deeds. Obviously, it's kind of like uh, pretty obvious. It's not the mainstream uh, image or appeal, but at the same time, like I mentioned in the topic. Some people have a fascination with certain fictional characters that at 
might have uh, similar characteristics, but somehow uh, that fascination does not translate into these characters, maybe. I don't know. What do you have to think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, this topic actually got me thinking about um, some of the other, I mean, a lot of it coming around this time, but uh, statements that anarchists have made in front of juries or statements that anarchists have made when they're being interrogated or claims of responsibility uh, for actions. Because um, I think it's in those moments, especially when you look at people testifying or whatever, giving their last statements before they're being executed. Like this is just them like stating whatever their hatred of the state or their hatred of capitalism in the uh, most brutal way possible. A lot of the time, um, not always. Uh, some of it is, is more like friendly, but sad. Uh, but I think that there is an attempt by people and you see this in uh, Fumiko's interrogation as well um, and Sugako's writings from prison. I, I think that in part there's a an attempt to scare your audience and your audience is the judge. Your audience is the jury who just convicted you. Your audience is the state and the bourgeois press that's reporting on the trial. Um, as well as speaking to anarchists who are going to hear you testifying, going to hear your statements. But um, I think there is an attempt to be scary in kind of the way that um, animals will sometimes be scary. Like you fluff yourself out in order to make yourself appear bigger than you are, um, that you are making these grand statements or you're making these threats um, as a way of a trying to be clear about, you know, who your target is and why you hate them. And also a way to put fear in their hearts in order to say like, Oh, am I next? Or like that kind of thing. Yeah. And someone commented like, uh, what scared them was the people who actually want prisons. And in a way, the status quo is the, the real scary thing that is, uh, I mean, that, that took their lives in each of their cases in one way or another, and that causes all the suffering that led them down those uh, somber, you could say, paths. But at the same time, well, like you're saying, it's it's kind of like a revenge to live on in a scary image or scary words to, to I don't know, put fear in their, in their hearts. But it's not so effective. They just, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think there's truth to that. I mean, I think it's complicated too, because you think about like Kumiko is one of these people. Sugako is one of these people. So, so is Novatore. Like um, you look at how they like actually lived their lives and they don't really seem like scary people at all. Like very few of these people. I mean, I think that Bruno Filippi is probably one of the, like, I would say scarier people. And even then we only see like what he wrote and some of what he did, but like, uh, I mean, taking Fumiko, Fumiko, for example, like you watch some of the movies about her, um, and she's really just like, whatever, just a very chill person. She's a playful person. She, most of her life, I mean, yes, like her, uh, memoirs, she went through a lot of suffering, but like, she also had some really beautiful moments there. Um, she loved and whatever, really tried to live her life. And, um, 
the scary part of it is only in the eyes of some. And it's complicated because I do think same thing with Novatore that some people like take from their like writings or whatever. It's understandable that they take from their writings, this figure of like, you know, I'm a scary person or I do scary things, but it's not, it's only one aspect. And it's a, I think in a way, a costume or a mask that was put on when facing certain audiences and not felt by whatever their contemporaries, contemporary anarchists, most of them, although a lot of people hated uh, Kano Sugeko. Um, I guess she would be scary in a different way. Yeah, and we can talk about the, those two uh, different ways uh, because I think that from the bunch, from the four that are in the uh, cover arts for the, the topic, I think Novatore is the least uh, scary of the four because I mean, what what is he at the end of the day? Uh, a writer and a poet, you know, that's not pretty scary. But uh, the the aspect no, no, he that, was much more of a yeah, much more of a lover than a fighter. Yeah, yeah, and uh, obviously at the end, uh, well, the way he died, uh, it proves that he wasn't you know bluffing. But uh, anyways, uh, what what's scary about him, maybe to some people, was his you know fearlessness in terms of critique where he could, uh, you know, say all the things he did to his contemporaries, uh, even if supposedly they were on the same side. Uh, not much people, I mean, not everyone has the, the God sword, the disposition to do that. But at the same time, uh, Sugako, what made her scary is that, <clears throat> you know, the, the norms and impositions are much more strict uh, in those types of traditional, you know, like... When the roles, the gender roles, uh, have to be challenged, it's not just about, um, you know, uh, something you write. Is it, there's a lot of pressure to to behave uh, a certain way and to conform to to those gender expectations of that time and place. And there's so also the class thing, if you were like noble or whatever, or and yeah, I mean. People pay pay a price for that uh, sometimes more than for if you're a guy writing edgy poetry. Yeah, I mean, I think. Well, I mean, for for those of for our listeners who are not familiar, Kano Sugako, part of why people hated her a big part was because she was like a bad woman. Like she uh, uh, cheated on her boyfriend, I think, um, who was like whatever this radical socialist who was in prison at the time. She like left him for another guy. And he was fucking pissed. And a lot, I mean, whatever. It's sad because, like, yes, there are elements of like tradition and things in here that like uh, condemn her within whatever a more traditional circumstance. But like a lot of radical people in whatever Japanese radicals hated her because they were like, oh, she's a bad woman. Oh, she betrayed this guy who was in prison. And, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's sad because. I feel like a lot of just like personal beef and obviously whatever gender is a huge part of that, that just like you could easily find that today too. It's just not so grand because the people who where the way it's playing out, the people who are doing these things or involved are like not writ as large as she was. Yeah, definitely. That's something that's kind of striking. I mean, uh, I, I would bet her comments uh, regarding, uh, you know, that behavior and, and all, all of that uh, would be controversial today, even uh, as they were then. 
and uh, like I I I uh, would I have expected more reaction from some of the the things that she said that I pasted, but apparently the the trolls weren't biting. But <coughs> yeah, that's something I I noticed. Um, and it's I I don't know. It's like um to kind of like wrap it up. Uh, um, not to go too too long. That you know we we've often in different topics like talked about like a certain tameness that's become. I don't want to say fashionable, but let's just say that for ease. Uh, certain tameness that's become fashionable, and and you know, it's why 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 uh, just uh, keep to that? What's what's stopping people from from being fiery? I don't know. Uh, besides repression, I, because I I mean uh, I don't think there's much repression, uh, at least in in certain countries for poetry or or bold statements. I mean, I feel like in part, well, it's complicated because I do think that. People are still spicy when it comes to like issuing claims of responsibility, even for stuff that isn't scary at all. I guess you'd say like whatever, like someone breaks a window and this is uh, a strike against civilization and everything it stands for. Um, but I think part of it, it's complicated because you look at a number of the people who we've talked about these historical anarchists, like, the context in which they lived, the context in which they were writing, like a lot of this shit, like all of this stuff that uh, Fumiko said was stuff that she was saying after she was in prison. Like she was writing before then, but like the, these like really bold statements about the emperor and stuff like that. And like, we want to kill him, whatever. She wasn't saying that kind of stuff until she had been arrested. And um, similarly for a number whatever anarchists at the time and obviously not just in japan if you were arrested um if the cops wanted to manufacture something against you or um whatever being an open anarchist in those societies like made you prone to being arrested and perhaps just like killed extrajudicially because it was illegal to be an anarchist or it was very restricted to be an anarchist and going before a jury for something like whatever a plot whether it existed or not could easily end up with you dead and i think that when you're in a position like that that you're much more likely to just say like okay like i'm gonna die anyway so i'm just gonna like really state the naked like aggression in my philosophy or i'm just going to say stuff that's like really big and scary to my audience but now i mean at least whatever in the United States, like the, you, you do see things very occasionally um, like that guy. I don't know if he was an anarchist or not, who got shot down uh, for killing that um, proud boy or whatever, uh, where whatever an extrajudicial judicial killing. But like most of the time people just get squeezed through the court system where like, whatever getting up and delivering a speech about how you want to kill the president of the united states or like you know whatever you want to like you you feel no compassion about the people who were injured in your act or something like that is most likely just going to end up with you in prison for longer or jeopardize your uh chances for parole or think you know stuff like that like i i feel like the legal system has become softer but also just like you know it's just horrible in a different way where it just incentivizes you more to be like uh not brutal or whatever not 
say that kind of stuff on the stand or outside of the stand in a way that can be identified under your name. Yeah, um, but, you know, to give some credit where credit's due, and it's mentioned in the beginning of the topic, uh, recently there was a lot of fuss because of the litter block in Portland. And that's an example of people doing things uh, that they very well know will not be well taken by the the vast majority of people who, who see those acts. And, you know, they're not afraid of being hated uh, for <laughs> for making a statement, maybe. Sure, sure. I mean, I feel like that's, but although it's complicated because um, that's a claim of responsibility, but it's a anonymous claim of responsibility. Like you wear the mask and you make the statement, which doesn't make it less valid, I think, but um, does make it a little more abstract in a way that you can't put a name to. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, the litter block is an interesting example too. And I was somewhat surprised that more people in the comments didn't talk about more contemporary anarchists. Obviously, like people aren't being as spicy as the examples of historical anarchists, usually in their statements, at least again, not in like ways that are traceable to them as individuals. But um, I think that one of the like scariest examples of contemporary anarchists doesn't really exist even and it's anarchists who exist in the imagination of mostly uh the conservative press or like uh conservatives in general like anarchists who are at the forefront of uh the riots after police killings and anarchists who are involved in all sorts of like nefarious deeds um corrupting youth and destroying society like these society these anarchists mostly don't exist at all but um this would be whatever this is the spook that continues to live and i think has taken a lot of its composition from actual things that anarchists have done but used in a way that is like created this sort of like specter of how anarchists act all the time Yes, like seen in the popular imaginary in films like The Purge, that fear of, you know, uh, everything gonna mock and people wearing masks and running out at night, much like Halloween, which is the reason why uh, sometimes, at least in the years where that was popular, that was a night where there was like a lot of police presence on the street because they feared something might happen where actually nothing happened because it's just a bunch of kids uh, walking out of house singing asking for candy but that's a place you know where the fear is and fear like uh, people start spreading lies like they're putting <laughs> racers inside of apples and things like that in a similar way those types of rumors spread about you know the outside ag agitators like living living bricks outside <laughs> of the perimeter of protests or something like that and yeah sure and i mean it's it's like totally absurd but i think it also like um it's complicated too because i think that and we've talked about like these big claims of responsibility i, I mean a different example would be something like um the east asia anti-japan armed front which had some anarchists associated with it but was not an anarchist group um but like these were people who they talked a lot of shit and they killed people the killings were totally inadvertent 
Um, but like their claims of responsibility made them seem very scary. And I think unfortunately, um, drove people drove the uh government to be more zealous in trying to uh persecute them or other people in the radical scene uh because they were trying to catch who catch them and you know scaring people can be useful because you are like putting fear into their hearts or whatever uh you know you live on like you said in their imagination but it's also complicated because it can, I don't know if you'd call this backfiring necessarily, but it can lead to some people taking you seriously and maybe too seriously. And then, uh, you know, the repercussions from that can be like pretty unpleasant. Uh, and whatever, I, I gave the example of like, uh, small, smaller animals, uh, whatever, putting up their hackles to appear bigger. And, but like the bigger animal, like is scared of it, but then responds with like even more violence. Yeah. And I think we could end it at that, that, you know, it's playing with fire when you're playing with people's passions, whether it's, uh, their, their, uh, love or, or their fear. And sometimes it's convenient to hide behind the mask and, make up a straw man, uh, be it a scarecrow and leave the, the straw man, take the blame and, and you get off scot-free. So anyways, until next time, everyone have fun this weekend and uh, take care. This week's podcast was sound edited by Greg. We thank Max and Octox for the help with the topic of the week, Spooky Scary Anarchists. We hope this podcast is useful to and fun for anarchists and the anarcho-curious. Give us feedback and constructive criticism by email at podcast at anarchistnews.org. For more information and usually some good commentary, see you at your favorite non-sectarian anarchist site, anarchistnews.org. To learn more, anarchist and anti-political books, pamphlets, and other material are available at littleblackcart.com. For news by and or about anarchists and up-to-the-minute commentary, see you at anarchistnews.org and are the Anarchist News IRC chat room linked on anews.